seven. Scott, you know, I just watched. What, what's that? I, you know, stuff just pops up on a Twitter timeline. Of, and shoots his nose things out at you? That was funny. Uh, but here's a clip of Rodney Dangerfield mm-hmm. on The Tonight Show. I don't know what year, but it looks like it's got to be late 70s, early 80s. Okay. He's hilarious. Yeah. It's great. It's just like quick wit. Liner, funny, this, this. I mean, it's it, it, it's great. Well, the crazy thing, like, we've talked about this before. When it comes to Rodney Dangerfield. So the milkman and my kid go to a father-son picnic. He, That's funny. He didn't make it big until he was, what, 40-something? Like, Oh, even older. That doesn't happen today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. Like, I, oh, I'll click this on. It, it's two minutes and 20 seconds. And it's hilarious. It's just funny. I don't know why I just brought it. I'm just sitting there like, that's funny. It's good stuff. How are you today? I'm great. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. I'm tired. Well, I mean, it happens sometimes. Eventually, the, the the work just catches up to you, and you need a day to regroup and recharge. Man. Uh, I don't know if it's that. But um, anyway, we had the uh, UCF uh, athletic holiday party yeah, last night. Yeah, that's what it is. There were a couple of big guys last night. Yeah? We have a large athletic department. So you get caught with, hey, how you doing, you know? Do you accept it when people big guy you? Do I accept it? Like, are you, like... I don't have a problem. I mean, okay. if I don't know you and you don't know me and, mm. and so forth. Um, but, uh, yeah, but it was good. Uh, good gathering last night. We were at a uh, restaurant bar near downtown. And... Um, you should let me know. You could have borrowed my uh, elf costume. The, no, I, yeah, uh, uh, I was good. But I parked because there's another event going on downtown, right? Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I got there a little bit earlier than I anticipated because I want to get the parking. So I parked in one of the garages. Mm-hmm. And it's the old text this to this and app opens oh, up. and Right? Why can't I just swipe my card when I walk yeah, in? Right, 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 right. So, so I uh, like text, pay to this number, then you got to open the app, and then... You know, you got to convert your actual money into parking money, like park coin or something. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. And I think it said just a flat fee, or I'm still being charged now. I don't you are know. still being yeah. charged now. I, I mean, I, I guess I should look at that to see if the parking charge. What's this fifteen thousand dollar parking charge? Um, but uh, no, it's good. Uh, good event. You know, lots of, lots of this. Ready? It's kind of loud. Like, yeah. And and I don't know what you're saying. Uh huh. DJ. Awesome. What? Huh? DJ. Uh, one person playing. Yeah. But there are a lot of people in kind of a tight, tight area. Gotcha. So it's like, yeah, right. I like my shoes too. Okay. <laughs> are you going to Annapolis? Yeah. What? A few of that stuff. And I, I'm going to be honest. If you're like, wait, you still work here? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I thought you left like a year ago. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And what you, do you do? Awards, um, gifts, like? No, uh, no, 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 no. Just a, you know, just a gathering for everybody to get together. It was good. And, uh, saw Terry and his lovely wife, and uh, you know, all coaches. Talk a little basketball with Johnny Dawkins, Greg Lovelady, and uh, a number of our coaches. Broke down with Coach Calabrese, a World Cup. 
and everything. We got uh, quarterfinals uh, today. Two matches uh, that will uh, be played beginning uh, ten o'clock and uh, two o'clock. Today. Yeah, what did Love Lady think? We've got we've had some pay per views lately. Wrestling. Ah, uh, we didn't talk wrestling. Oh, yeah, he's got the off season beard. Oh, did he? I, really? I cannot yeah. picture that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It works. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's good. Um, then I, Scott Adams was there, and I guess he anticipated parking issues as well. He he, he was like at Epcot. Oh, really? You had to drop he, him off? He's like, you drive into the car, I'm like, uh, yeah. And then I realized, yeah, like, why did you park down here? Why didn't you guys, why didn't you just get a little scooter to zzz, back to the car? Huh? Get a little scooter and zzz, back to the car. No. You're not a, you're not a lime scooter guy. No, and last night would have been a rough night for those that did it because it was crowded. So, I, I mean, the sidewalks were kind of full. Thornton Park had an event last night. And there was a Oh, yes, they of, did, yeah. So so those streets were packed. Okay. Okay, what? You now believe me? or No, I'm now kind of getting <laughs> gauging where you guys were. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so it was a nice event and everything. How about you? I was good. You know, recorded a theme park podcast last night. Oh, what's the big topic? Uh, Epic Universe uh, got a you know opening date time frame. The new Universal Orlando theme park, uh, summer twenty twenty five. And as we talked about on the news yesterday, the new uh, is that the name of it? Universal Orlando's Epic Universe. Is that it? Yes. Okay. And then the new. What are we going to end up calling that? Epic Universe. Okay. And then the Illumination... Because we ultimately decide what we call these parks. Yeah, Epic Universe. Okay. Uh, and then the new Minion Blast ride coming to Universal Orlando. Okay. Yeah. Catch that on the Theme Park Podcast, which is dropping... Uh, we'll be dropping within the next 20 minutes. How about that? Yeah. Wow. On demand, baby. Wow. Okay. Uh, and Great Spin Clash yesterday. Jay-Z and Friends. The music. Yes. How'd that go? Great. Yeah? You're a Linkin Park guy, right? Or you appreciate? I appreciate. Do you remember when they collabed on an album? Oh, yeah. I forgot how good that album is. Yeah. Because a couple of those songs got played in the class, and I'm like, this is just a really great album. Uh, at first, people didn't Correct. think it would work. And, yeah. And, you know, to their credit, uh, yeah, did a good job. Um, I have a question about Thursday Night Football. Yeah. Is Al allowed to drop a profanity because it's on streaming? Because, again, I feel like last night was another example of just let him say whatever he wants. Yeah. Uh, Like I said to Mike, last night is another example of why, even in this case, streaming services pay billions of dollars. Not because the Rams and Raiders was a great matchup, but because you can't script endings like that. You know, if... The third-string quarterback is somebody you never heard of. Okay, a little bit of a story, but Baker Mayfield and a drive like that. And the Rams are not headed to the playoffs, but I'm uh, still kind of uh, cool television to watch. So yesterday I had to bring something back. Mm-hmm. And I was bringing it on him back, and I was purchasing two items. Okay? I'm going to tell you in your ear where I was. Okay. And they're holiday items. I'm waiting in line. Mm-hmm. There are five people with two registers open. It's not at the pace you'd like it to be. It's okay. I'm fine. The woman in front of me has one item and then turns to give me the eye roll like, do I agree that it's ridiculous how long it's taking? I don't want to participate in the eye roll. So she does the eye roll like how long? And I 
look down as if I'm reading my phone. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a part. Don't engage, yeah. Don't want to engage, right? 30 seconds later, turns and again wants to engage, and she says, isn't it ridiculous how long it is? I don't want to engage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I look up, I go, I'm sorry, what? Never mind. Yeah. I felt like I accomplished something. There, yes. Right? Yes. Right? So then, on the exchange, okay, giving the item back, purchasing the two items, I'm due a dollar five. Okay. I purchase on my card. You would think we could just, just give, the, pop it on the card. What do you want to do here? I'm sorry, what? What do you want to do? I'd like to finish and leave, but mm-hmm. oh, I want my money. She goes, well, well there's a dollar five difference. You want it in cash? I go, well, can't you put it back on the card? Is that what you want? Yeah. And then for some reason, we got the stare. Yeah. I go, on the card, followed by the, okay. No, the card's already in. That's right. Yeah, it's like. And then I got, all right. And then. Why do you get back, like, nine receipts? Oh, yes. I walked out. You get receipts for the purchase, for the return, for the credit back. Yeah, I got, like, nine sheets of paper here. It wasn't that hard. No. It shouldn't be that hard. No. But anyway, there you go. Uh, Magic basketball tonight. Try to get a win streak. The Raptors. Raptors. Yeah. Uh, We'll be here tonight. Vince Carter. Mm -hmm. Damon Stoudemire. Trace McGrady playing for both teams. Yeah. So uh, Raptors uh, tonight. Uh, Marcus for, Camby. Um, <laughs> uh, for the Magic. Uh, coverage begins at 6.30. Yep. Tip-off just after 7 o'clock. And tip-off just after 7. As uh, so the boys will try to get a little win streak uh, uh, going. Um, on our program today, a little bit of high school football with J.C. Carnahan coming up. We've got a state team, or a team playing in a state championship. <laughs> A state team playing in the state championship. A, a team playing in the state championship uh, from the area here, and a couple on the outskirts of our listening audience. But programs we've talked about. We'll recap some of the stuff from last week uh, with JC in a moment. Richard Hell, our sports law expert, coming up a little bit as well. Michael Donald's going to talk some basketball uh, with us. Uh, there's one college football game in FBS that'll be played tomorrow. That is Army and Navy for the 123rd time. And the 90th time in the city of Philadelphia. Uh, You want to know something else about that game? Sure. And you catch the game on this radio station. Oh. Yeah. There you go. They reached out to me the other day and said, hey, do you want to air this? And I said, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, So that that begins, I think, three tomorrow? Coverage at two. All right. Uh, For the uh, the 90th time in uh, Philadelphia, they will play... Of this game. Did you know this? First time they met was in 1890, Army and Navy. Yeah, they played football that long ago. And in 1893, a player involved in the game was warned by doctors because of the number of hits that he had taken that if he took a hit in the head, he could potentially die. The player was so committed to playing in the game that that player got together with engineers and helped design something that changed the game to some degree. The first helmet ever worn in a football game was oh, in the wow. 1893 Army-Navy game. Would have never known that. Uh, and engineers came up with this leather contraption to protect the upper head area. Hmm. And in 1893, it was the first helmet worn in a football game. There you go. 
little fact you can use tonight at your favorite cocktail party. Go, did you know this about Army and uh, Navy? Uh, J.C. Carnahan, high school football report. We'll get to that when the beat of sports on a Friday continues next. The Beta Sports are brought to you by our friends at Florida Citrus Sports. Getting set for bowl season. Uh, the Cheez-It Bowl with Florida State, Oklahoma, coming up on December the 29th and January the 2nd. The Cheez-It Citrus Bowl uh, will feature LSU and Purdue. Tickets available at Ticketmaster.com or go to FloridaCitrusSports.com and uh, learn all about the upcoming bowl festivities for bowl season, courtesy of our friends at Florida Citrus Sports. Um, the USA Today, every college football year, does several uh, stories on salaries, head coaching salaries. It's always a big deal. It used to be how many, heck, used to be how many $1 million a year coaches. Then it went to who, who's the first $5 million a year guy? Who's the highest paid guy? Nick's always got to be in the top three. And who else now makes over seven, eight in the new market? It's at about $9 million and um, then they expanded from n- not just head coaches in football, but then the budgets of teams at the Division One or FBS level. That's always a big deal. Ohio State and Texas, and you break that down. And then the schools often say, well, those are just projections on their part. And most of these numbers are out there because of public schools. They've added... Now, with these features on a yearly basis to the top paid assistant coaches. And then that was a big deal when we cracked the million-dollar mark for assistant coaches. Well, now we've cracked it even further with coaches making more than $2 million that are assistant coaches. And USA Today's got the big rundown on assistant coaching salaries and um who cracked the $2 million mark and how many $1 million assistants we have. And even now, strength and conditioning coaches. And we have our first million-dollar strength and conditioning coach at Oklahoma State. One of the more interesting features that they've added, and we've talked about it on this show um, over the last couple of years, and it even got a little bit of a trend on Twitter. Scott, before the season starts, what do college football teams usually do? They gather on, they take a team picture. Yeah. What was the funniest team picture before the season? The Florida Gators. Why? Because of the amount of coaches they have on their staff. And remember, people photoshopped and, and, and made it look like... Bigger and bigger and bigger. Okay. Yeah. It was kind of fun. Uh, according to the uh, USA Today story, and Steve Berkowitz has been on our show a number of times, he kind of oversees... <laughs> This list of uh, uh, features. They uh, wrote about the increasing staff sizes across the country in college football. Uh, Yesterday, we were talking about the Clippers' magic game. And the Clippers having three players on a minute restriction. And somebody on the Clippers' staff, that's their job, is to monitor the minutes of players during the game. 
And last night, or two nights ago, it was to let Ty Lue know throughout the game for Reggie Jackson, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard. And Ty Lue even said, I had one minute left to use Kawhi Leonard. We don't know what physically would have happened, assuming his body would have exploded if he played a 32nd minute or 31st minute. But college football and the NBA, two examples of how staffs have grown. Again, I, I mentioned what I was talking about what the Clippers did. The first year for the Magic, there was Matt Kukas, John Gabriel, and Bob Weiss. That was it. There were no iPads, no one monitoring minutes played, and Lenny Curry was the trainer down at the other end, end of the bench, and, and that's it. And then 12 guys sat in the bench. Now you got a first row, second row, third row. Uh, you got coaches up, like eye in the skies, and, and you know back in the offices, all sorts of things. Well, in college football, years ago, there were restrictions about size of staffs. I mean, it was ten coaches. That's it. And one of the coaches was a recruiting coordinator. Uh, some coaches had multiple positions, like you might be a tight end coach and a special teams coach. And then we added a few people. Uh, we started putting fancy titles on people. Um, you started wondering, what, 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 what is quality control? What does quality control sound like to you when I say quality control? I don't know. I'm, I, every time I hear that, I don't know what that job does. But doesn't it sound like if I said, hey, here's Bobby in charge of quality control, you might think, oh, it's the guy at a warehouse mm-hmm. that maybe is in charge of making sure that the employees are in a safe environment and that you know they have everything they need. No, no, no. We applied that in football. Then, then we added analyst. And it was like, What's that? Well, the analysts got around the NCAA rules of how many coaches you can have. Because as long as they weren't coaching during practice or coaching during a game, uh, but they could be in certain areas and then they could help the coaches and players prepare for I mean, we just created the silliest terminology that you can come up with. Uh, and then we had analysts, and then it, it, it's not all on Nick Saban, but he kind of opened that door of building a corporation of coaches, analysts, quality control, player personnel directors, player development titles, and then we took it further. Quickly, 10 o'clock hour, WYJM, Orlando, WJRR, HD2, Cocoa Beach, Orlando Sports Leader, Mark Danielson, the Beat of Sports. Then, then as we were building these massive football facilities, these palatial palaces with barber shops and movie theaters and miniature golf courses and slides and all sorts of different types of pools and beds and uh, nutrition centers, we started adding even more. And then used to have a strength and conditioning coach. And then he had maybe an assistant and then possibly had a second assistant. Now, now, the University of Florida, every position has its own strength and conditioning coach. Every position. Um, 
According to the USA Today's uh, uh, study, Florida has 68 full-time employees in football. At $6.2 million, with an average of $91,000 per employee. Now, good for you. I mean, if the money's there and and, and, uh, you can get it, go get it. About 70 full-time people work in football. Now, in in defense of the staff explosion, what you didn't have 30 years ago, you didn't have a social media department, which, by the way, differs than your athletic department's social media team. Football has its own because it's got to be involved in recruiting and and, and you got to be active, you got to post stuff, and then you got to be able to follow your recruits and what they're posting, and then that falls in line with with what with 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 recruiting player acquisition so then you got a team there now every single football program has not one but multiple people that have the sole job uh, or a job of following the portal and that doesn't mean when a name goes in that means you monitor rosters every single week who's playing how many plays who's happy who's not happy who did we recruit when they were a junior in high school that we didn't get when they chose their school that we might think about go getting because either a they're really good or b they're sitting on a bench and not playing that's a staff uh why is joe smith here because joe recruits a particular area what else does he do he recruits a particular area well does he coach anything not really how many Joes he got? About four, five. Um, it is a corporation. Kirby Smart told the people in Georgia when they hired him as a football coach that whatever you think your investment is in football, you don't have any idea what you need to invest in. And it was like, well, I mean, yeah, we know what we're getting. And, and no, 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 no. And Kirby Smart, when he interviewed for the job, laid out his vision of not just the style of play that he wanted to run and you know, the type of person that he is. He, he he took the Saban blueprint. Not like uh, you know the secrets or the secret sauce of Nick, but this is how they run it. And there's a reason why they win. It is a corporation. It is like an NFL team. The average NFL team employs... A couple hundred people. But in football operations, those that are in charge of the football, it is now about the same in college football, about 75, 80 people. And you're spending a lot of money on it. You could justify it because they just kind of went through the process of, I got recruiting departments, I got a a transfer portal, I got everything you can think of, nutritionists, strength and conditioning. And people will justify it. In the piece in the USA Today, Steve Spurrier just said it's almost overkill that if you're not spending more money, then you're not winning and you got to keep on spending. And again, Spurrier was a different era. You know, I, not that Steve Spurrier couldn't coach today. If his prime was now, I, a brilliant offensive mind would succeed in any era. But a different game. You know, it's like Mike and I were talking about. Um, players that that grow up and want to go to a school, and years ago you you just had more players that didn't often look outside the state, or their parents went to uh, the school and they wanted to go to that school. Different today, yeah, different because it's a national game. 
players get recruited across the country, and that's changed. Recruiting budgets from 30, 40 years ago uh, were much smaller because rarely did you go after somebody outside the region. I mean, in the state of Florida, I mean, you go back in the 80s and 90s when we had some incredible teams in our state and even at the turn of the century. Most of the roster consisted of Florida players. And, yeah, yeah, we go to Georgia, we recruit a little bit in Alabama, maybe go to Louisiana. Now you better have a national budget. You live in Florida? Who, who Who's recruiting Texas for you? Who's recruiting the Midwest for you? doesn't mean you're getting 15, 20 guys, but you, you better know. You better have an idea. Um, so... The explosion in the staffing, and there and, and there is a trickle-down effect on the industry in college sports. There's a big-time trickle-down effect. If you're spending that, it likely is coming from someplace else. It's not that you haven't increased the football, but you have the overall athletic budget. It's not necessarily increasing at the same pace that you've increased the football budget. It does have a trickle-down effect on other departments that don't get the um, extra strength and conditioning coach, that don't get uh, the additional charter for your team, that don't get you know, the larger meal budget and things like that. And it does impact your internal staffing as well. Um, not the fault of anybody. I, I'm just telling you because I'm in the building more. The number of people that work in football at UCF to when Scott Frost, not George O'Leary, to Scott Frost, to Josh Heupel has changed significantly. That is the industry. And you can't be left behind. If somebody else's uh, recruit high school recruiting and portal department has four people, and you're working to compete in the same league or in the same state for players, then you better staff up. That's, that, that's how this system now works and you I, you can click on and, and i bring them up because we've talked about it before in the show go to alabama's website go click on football and go scroll down the staff for football not the athletic department just the staff for football and go read the titles and if you want to click on i think at alabama's site it explains what that job title means I, i'm not mocking them it's just see for yourself I don't think Florida puts a description of the job, but but they've got some fancy titles as well. I'm looking it up right now. And that that's the industry. But it also it also creates the pressure to win. If if your coach tells it and to Billy Napier's credit, he did the same thing Kirby Smart did when he got to Georgia. Billy Napier told Scott Strickland if I come, I want this. And Scott Strickland, as an AD of a program that in all due respect felt like it had gotten stuck, said, you got it. We got this new football facility coming, and Billy's like, yeah, that's great. But I still need this. I need these strength and conditioning people. I need these sports medicine people. I need these nutrition people. I need this, this, this. And he got it. Now, you expect a return on that. Not just on 
uh, the pot of money you're raising to buy players, but you're expecting a return to win. You come and ask us to, to, to hire you and to give you all of these bells and whistles. And this isn't just at uh, Billy Napier. It's at Mary Cristobal at Miami. It's, uh, you know, again, at Georgia and all these places. Uh, if you want the palace and you want the army to work, then our expectation is blank. And whatever you fill in the blank, and your first thought may have been to make the playoff every year or to compete heat in the final four and it comes with expectations and it's not slowing down my guess is in two years not five or ten my guess in two years the average staffing of football programs in this country at the high elite level it's probably gonna be north of 100 people and if if you win great if you don't, they're not getting rid of all the toys. They'll just get someone else to be the coach, who then comes in with another list of demands of things that I want, and next thing you know, you got 125 people working, and instead of uh, $6.2 million, you're spending 10 on the staff. Uh, 11 football analysts. Which school? Alabama. Yes. And, and, uh, what's the you can have unlimited analysts, by the way. What's the difference between a football analyst and a defensive analyst? Well, one's on defense. I don't know. And what one's just football. I guess. Yeah. Uh, can I read you some of the names that are football analysts? Zach Mettenberger, former quarterback. Derek Dooley, former head coach. Todd Grantham. Yeah. Is Dave Huxtable still there? Dave Huxtable. Yeah. Was at UCF. He was. He's also a football analyst. Right. Yeah. Um. There's the coordinator of the head coach's office. Yep. And then there's a special Which, assistant. by the way, I'm guessing Nick has someone that heads up his office, meaning not just the office he's physically in, but like the office of the head coach at Alabama, which probably has a staff of three or four, yes? Uh, there's the special assistant to the head coach. Yep. There's two of those. Of course. And then two senior special assistants Yep. to the head coach. Right. There you go. It's sign of the times, man. It's a sign and of the Freddie time. Roach is the defensive line coach, the boxing guy. That same guy. No. Uh, it's sign of the times, man. Uh, it, it, it was a really interesting story the USA Today did. And, I, again, if, if you got the money, you want to invest the money, more power to you. It just means the expectation to win is even greater. Richard Hill, our sports law experts, next. Time for this week's sports law segment. Brought to you by Hale, Hale, and Jacobson. Find them online at hhjlegal.com. That's hhjlegal.com. Richard Hale is our sports expert. Hale, Hale, and Jacobson is uh, the firm. Online at hhjlegal.com. We talk sports and law every Friday at this time. Good morning, Richard. How are you? Doing well, Mark. How are you, bud? I'm fine. Um, Matt Ariza was a very, very good college punter. I got drafted and was with the Buffalo Bills and looked like he had a promising career. Then a story came out about him uh, uh, being part of an incident, um, an alleged rape, uh, charges brought up. Um, the news gets covered. Uh, the Bills part ways with him. He and his family uh, ask for uh, the public to hold off on reacting until the facts can come out. We tend to react to things first, and then we'll judge whether we allow you back in our headlines or not. 
And uh, very quietly, the news is that they will not be pursuing charges against Matt Ariza. Uh, one, your thoughts on where the legal thing went, and I don't know if he gets a chance to go back to the National Football League uh, to ever punt again. Yeah, so the two things to discuss here, the first being the, the charge itself. And, um, you know, it is not uncommon in a, a case like this where these are the allegations uh, for the government to run into problems or issues when they when they're trying to prove their case. Um, there are a host of factors that come into play when the government makes a decision on whether or not they want to proceed when a story like this breaks or there are some allegations of, of rape or gang rape or, or whatever happened here. Um, and so it's one thing to, to start to address those allegations and to investigate, um, but uh, it's another thing entirely to be able to proceed with a case at trial where the the court is going to mandate that you have evidence to support these charges. Uh, in a case like that, it, uh, like this, it could be physical evidence, right? You, you do a rape kit afterwards. There may be some physical evidence to suggest some DNA, things like that, to suggest that there was a, a rape may have occurred. Um, you may have testimony from some of the witnesses, if there were any. You may have testimony from the victim. Uh, whether or not the victim still wanted to proceed with, with pressing charges is always a, a big um, element to, to being able to move a case towards trial. But remember, you know, the government's going to be charged with proving every element of this crime beyond a reasonable doubt, which, as we know, is a, is a pretty high standard. It, it makes them you know, jump through the proper hoops, makes them do their job, um, but it's tough to prove. And so if you don't have all of your ducks in a row and you don't have the evidence necessary to move forward, um, then rest assured the government's not going to waste our, our taxpayer dollars pursuing something that they know they can't prove. Uh, so in this particular instance, uh, yes, the, the story broke some months back, and, and we had some questions at the time. I remember you and I discussing the story about maybe why it took so long for, for the story to come to light. Um, by then, you know, most of the people involved in the story had kind of moved on. Of course, uh, this guy's punting in the NFL at that point. Uh, why did it take so long for this investigation to go on? And um, why did it come take so long for the story to come to light? Could be that they had some evidentiary problems very early on. And this speaks to that problem back then and, and why it took so long and, and why the government chose not to pursue it. So where does that leave us as of today? Look. The Bills did what the Bills had to do, right? These, this allegation breaks, you can't leave the guy on your team. The optics of it are way too bad. Uh, so they did what they had to do, and I, I, I think even in hindsight, they would probably uh, suggest that they did the right thing. Um, but where does that leave the guy now? Clearly he's a talented player, uh, and is there a pathway for him back to the NFL? I'm sure there is. Uh, we've got a number of startup leagues uh, from the USFL to the XFL, uh, that are probably going to give this guy a chance to showcase his talents again. This is the type of story that, that maybe over time, um, you know, now that these allegations have gone away, now that there weren't charges that were pressed, maybe he can outlive this a little bit. Um, we tend to have, uh, you know, short memories when it comes to stories like this. Maybe he gets another chance in football. I, I certainly think uh, in the court of public opinion it will be a little difficult, but... 
you know, this is a, maybe a second lease on life for him, and he, he gets back into kicking and, and makes his way back to the NFL. That, that would be a, a really interesting story to follow. Sometimes in youth sports, the parents get in the way of the kids, and uh, agendas uh, become more important than are the kids having fun going out and developing. We've got a youth football story in Oklahoma that is booster clubs involved, filming of practices, bylaws being broken, fines not paid, and somebody suing because a team didn't qualify for the playoffs. What a story! <laughs> it is. It is a story, and it's it's one where, my gosh, I, I I feel like this should be a cautionary tale to all parents out there, especially those who have kids that are playing sports. I mean, sometimes guys, we we take things a little too seriously. Um, my both of my girls are involved in athletics and have been for quite some time, and and you know the uh, the competitor in me still still gets the best of me every now and then, and I have to remember. Um, that, that we're setting an example for these kids. Uh, this was a story that involved a, a youth football team that was pretty successful and, and was having a really good season and uh, felt like they were um, negligently left out of, of the playoff situation. Maybe not negligently, maybe it was intentional that they were left out of the playoff situation and, and they took their, this matter to court. Uh, and, and amongst other allegations were misappropriation of booster funds that there were uh, that they were taping the kids' practice against their um, against their permission. Uh, it, it just as a cautionary tale to me, uh, we got to keep in mind that these are kids, and, and we live in a society now where we, we place an emphasis on winning, and I get that. Uh, and it is important at the end of the day, um, but uh, your integrity is also important as well. And so, you know, as parents kind of have to be mindful of that, there is a, a legal avenue here that they've pursued where they allege breach of contract, where they allege unjust enrichment, um, basically trying to bring to light all of these allegations that I just mentioned, and, and they feel like this is their only forum to do it, so they filed suit. But uh it does feel like a case where if cooler heads had prevailed months ago, uh, we wouldn't be in this situation, and, and you hate that it's come to this. Uh, patent infringement sounds complicated, perhaps, and uh, this is an interesting story. Recentive uh, Analytics is suing Fox and connected to, I guess, work that they created and impacts how NFL games are scheduled in the TV map across the country. Um, what is this suit? Yeah, very interesting. They're... It's always uh, funny to me when I, I sit down on, on my couch on a Sunday afternoon to to watch the one o'clock and the and the four o'clock games. Which games we happen to be getting right? When normally we're getting a, a Miami or Jacksonville game or a, a Tampa uh, because we're kind of in those markets. And and I was really interested as I read through this story to find out there's so much more that goes into the decision of which game is going to end up on your TV, be it at the one o'clock or the four o'clock time slot. Um, it doesn't have to do just with your geography. And so there was a model out there. It was a model that was created, and, and it uh, ran kind of this analytical algorithm to determine what game was going to be in in each individual time slot. And, and it had something to do with your geography, had something to do with the number of eyeballs that were on the set, had something to do uh, with a number of factors that uh, – this company had pretty much trademarked. I'm not sure that um, 
they had the official trademark or patent of these ideas. They suggest that they did, but it was important in order to get these games on TV that they worked very closely with Fox and CBS to to provide the information necessary so that Fox and CBS could ultimately make the decision about which games were going to be in those uh, time slots. Well, what this lawsuit alleges is that not only did uh, uh, Fox use this information and and um, make decisions based upon the algorithm that was was put forward, but they they hijacked the information and then created a better mousetrap. Right? So so we're going to take the information that's that's being used and we're going to reconfigure it. We're going to create it in our own image, and now we're going to use it. Uh, because we think we can do one better, and, and now the company that provided this information to Fox is saying, "Wait a minute, you know that's our information. Now you're not only using it because you think you've done a better job, but you're kind of passing it off as your own, and and that's where we get into some of this trademark and patent infringement um, because the the original idea still is the original idea. Maybe it's been made slightly better, but it's really no, and it, it's not materially different." than the product that originally existed. Uh, so we'll see what happens with this. I, I think it's really interesting. It gave me um, uh, a lot of insight into how these decisions are made. has a lot to do with uh, psych- sports psychology and, and the psychology of the consumer and things like that, which I found interesting. Um, but it's a good read. Uh, the, the case is online, so people can check it out uh, if you Google it and um, enjoy the read. Thank you, Richard. I'll see you soon. appreciate it. All right, Mark. Take care, bud. Richard Hale, a sports law expert. Hale, Hale, and Jacobson is the firm online at hhjlegal.com. we got a power lunch today. Oh, that's what it's about. What you a said week you... for me of power lunches. When you're like, oh, I'll see you soon. I'm like, oh, no, what'd you do? No, no, no. It's has got a power lunch today. Wait till we walk into that room at this place. <laughs> are you kidding me? Wow. And they'll go up to you like, sir, are you sure you're supposed to be here? These two, yes, but you? I don't have a name of... Daniels, can you wait over here, please? Yeah. Mike O'Donnell talking some basketball. Step back three next. Time now for Step Back Three with MOD on the beat of sports. No, I don't have street cred. It's the guys around me have street cred. We talk basketball with Mike O'Donnell before the segment ends. He'll name his top three vegetables uh, coming up before uh, this uh, segment ends. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Really good, Mr. Daniels. How are you? Uh, I'm doing fine. Um, Let's dive in. Uh, I got a lot of college basketball questions uh, for you. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, look, I watched a few games when they were in the same league together. I don't doubt that Dan Hurley is a good coach. I think his sideline antics are immature. Um, I think he's a baby at times during games. But uh, he has rebuilt UConn, and they are really good. They destroyed Florida the other night in Gainesville. They've got wins this year over Oregon, Alabama, Iowa State, Oklahoma State. They beat Florida by uh, 21, and their closest game has been by 10 points. So is the sample size enough for you to say that UConn is legit for a chance to win the national championship? Well, I think it's pretty easy to answer that question. You just mentioned those wins. Uh, What the, the audience needs to understand is those wins were all in a row. Those are all the recent wins. Oregon, Alabama, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and Florida. All double-digit wins all in a row. Uh, when you beat Oregon, that, that Alabama win was huge. I mean, they won 82-67. You know, Alabama is a potential Sweet 16 team. 
And UConn is, I mean, they just kind of dismantled them, especially, I mean, a huge chunk of that game. They took care of a really good Iowa State team, Oregon and Oklahoma State and Florida are good basketball teams that they just dismantled. And it's all by double digits, like you said, by at least 10 points. Yes, if we're looking at that slate of games, you would say UConn is legit. UConn top five team. Really, the biggest secret to their success, Mark, and I know you have your frustrations with Dan Hurley, their depth is ridiculous. Uh, there are times in which they can go 12, 13 deep and not miss a beat. They have, uh, they have eight players that average at least 15 minutes a game. Eight. And those, and they're all major contributors as well. They got three players that are averaging double figures. This is, when you watch them, here's the best compliment I can give UConn right now. And I think this, this compliment is something you're going to have a hard time arguing against. Is that they are the closest team to rival Houston from an energy, effort, and defensive intensity standpoint. I'm not saying they are like Houston. I'm not saying they're better or have more than Houston. But there is no team in the country outside of Houston that can fully understand how hard Houston plays, except for UConn. So far from what I have seen, if we're just watching games just to watch them, we take analytics and depth and all that stat, all the stats out of it, they're the hardest-playing team in the country on both ends of the floor, on the glass, defensively, a close second to the Houston Cougars. And that is, that's the best compliment I can give him. Now, look, it's, uh, uh, I think it's fair. And Donovan Klingon, the freshman, Mike, he's, he's averaging 9.5 and, and 7 in 15 minutes a game. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Adam Sonogo is, is playing like an All-American candidate. For, I mean, Mark, they have guys that are playing – you know, uh, 15, 15, 16 minutes a game that are just, they're, they're putting up, everybody's efficient, everybody rebounds, everybody's unselfish, everybody is a potential shot maker. I mean, if you told me right now, could you make a case for UConn for being the second best team in the country? Yeah, I, I could make it. That's how good they've been playing. I watched uh, Iowa play uh, Duke at Madison Square Garden. Um, yeah, I mean, they were okay, and then Duke wins by 15, and then they destroyed Iowa State. <laughs> yeah, Iowa's pretty good. Um, they have one of the best offense in the country. Um, they are they're playing their best defense that we've seen for a while. Chris Murray is certainly playing like an All-American can. If, if the name Murray and last, uh, last name Murray is uh, familiar if watching or following Iowa basketball at all, he's the younger brother of Keegan Murray, who was a lottery pick in last year's NBA draft. I mean, Coach McCaffrey's son, Patrick McCaffrey's playing really well. He's shooting the three really well. Chris Murray's playing like an All-American. They, their offense, their offense is good. It's fluid. If they get up quick, right, and that's what happened last night if you watched that game versus Iowa State, who's, <laughs> Iowa State's a good ball club, really good ball club. They get up 15-0. And if you give an Iowa team 15-point cushion, What's going to happen is it's so hard to play catch-up because you're going to start forcing yourself to take bad shots, and then Iowa's going to be ultra-confident. They are the definition of a rhythm team, right? Similar to when you see like football teams like Tennessee who go on big rhythm, huge chunk plays. If you take them out of their rhythm, 
they really struggle. Iowa's like that. If if you give them a 10-point rhythm run, you're going to lose because that's how they play. Everything's fluidity uh, uh, with the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, you cannot, cannot get down in double digits against Iowa. Or you won't be able to climb back. A couple of years ago when UCF had that tournament team, uh, we went to Houston. Game day was there. Uh, they were all jacked up. UCF won out and got arguably their biggest win of the year when they beat Houston. They also had a Cincinnati win. And I, I, I hope this makes sense to you. I thought that maybe Houston wasn't ready for that national moment, and, and it got caught up, and then they ran into a team that UCF played really well that day. It's a different Houston team that's more mature now that's number one in the country. The spotlight again on them for an Alabama rematch of last year's game which was a great Pretty one awesome. at Alabama. Yeah, awesome game. Yeah. And I think, uh, not that Alabama can't win, I just get a sense it's a different Houston team at home tomorrow in a national spotlight game like that. Well, Alabama isn't fully healthy yet. They haven't had a full roster like Houston has this season. That, that's actually one of the, quietly, one of the, one of the benefits of this Houston team is, you know, they, they have an All-American candidate return, Marcus Sasser, but he's healthy. Yeah, their, uh, their point guard, Jamal Shedd, is healthy. Their freshman uh, uh, phenom, Jairus Walker, is healthy. Everybody's healthy. Houston really hasn't had that. Actually, if you look at the last couple of years, they haven't been that consistently healthy. They have been this season. They are absurdly physical. They play uncommonly hard. They shoot the three in between well and very well. They shoot down everything. Everything. Mike, hang on a second. We've got to give you buzz back. Our phone system just decided to throw the cookie monster at us. Uh, we're going to get Mike back on with a better line. Let him finish his uh, point. Uh, Magic do play tonight. Speaking of basketball, the Toronto Raptors are in town tonight. We'll have coverage at 6.30, tip set for 7 o'clock. Magic will look to get back in the win column again, or should say get a win streak after the victory uh, with the Clippers. Mike's back. And sorry, that was our phone line. Get no, no that's, that's, that's okay. That's okay. Um, so what I will say about Houston is well, they've got some major tests. You mentioned the Alabama game coming up here tomorrow. But then in two games, uh, they've got Virginia. Virginia's the top five team in the country. And that is going to be an absolute battle. We're going to know, we're going to know a lot about Houston um, and whether or not they can solidify their number one spot really in the next week and a half here. Um, you do a number of games outside of the Power 5, Power 6 uh, leagues. Give me a couple of teams off to great starts to keep an eye on because they could be a danger. Yeah, Charleston. Uh, um, uh, in the Charleston Classic, they won an absolute tear. And Charleston plays in the Colonial Athletic uh, uh, Association. Charleston has four guys that all shoot absurd from the three-point line. They've got um, uh, they've got four players that can play multiple positions. They have huge, uh, uh, they have some huge uh, quarter one wins. And right now, if the season ended today, Charleston would probably get in as an uh, uh, as an at large bid. So Charleston's a very very good basketball team. Another team that is really fun to watch is Sam Houston State out of the whack. Sam Houston State uh, has multiple quad one wins, and they've. They're, they don't play a very pretty side of basketball, but they are the Houston, they are the mid-major Houston. So they survive off of rebounding and defense, and they're 9-2 and right now, and just playing fantastic basketball. Those are two 
of my favorite teams when you're talking really outside of the major conferences. I don't consider the Atlantic 10 to be, a, you know, well, most people have been a major, mid major. And if I had to pick a team from the Atlantic 10, I, I still really like St. Louis. Um, I think uh, I think when you're when you're filling out your bracket in March, I think you'll see St. Louis there. I think they've done enough in the non-conference to be on the right side of the bubble. If they don't win the Atlantic 10 tournament, to be an at-large contender, St. Louis is one of my favorite teams to watch on offense because they have the best point guard in the country in Yuri Collins, leads the nation in assists. Uh, he is an absolute wizard. I don't know if I've seen a passer in college basketball quite like Yuri Collins. If you have not watched St. Louis play, I would highly encourage you to watch them. They run really fun, really good offense, but they have the best passer I've seen in a decade in college basketball, and that's your Collins. Uh, net ratings came out uh, earlier uh, this week, and now you can follow them every single day. Um, I'm sure you looked, and um, what does the early season net ratings tell us, if anything? Yeah, Houston, UConn, and Purdue are right where they need to be. Yeah. <laughs> Top three teams in the net. They're exactly where they need to be. I think they are um, – some of this stuff is going to tweak and change and alter as you get into more conference play. Like, for example, uh, things will change once uh, the quality of your opponent uh, starts to lessen. And when I say that, I mean some mid-major conferences just won't be playing as consistent – of a top 50, top 100 net type schedule. That's just the nature of, of some of the conferences. For example, Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic's in Conference USA. They're 7-1. They had that big win, quad one win at uh, University of Florida, and they had a net ranking of 11. Now, you're going to say, ah, that doesn't really matter. You know, it's Florida Atlantic, blah, blah, blah. What I would tell you is, is most People who take a dive into the net and are a lot smarter than I am about, they're going to say, look, Florida Atlantic is not going to be the 11th best net team in a month and a half uh, to two months once you get into conference play just because uh, the way that their schedule inside of conference tournament, uh, excuse me, conference play will happen. However, as they perform right now, Florida Atlantic has a top 25 net ranking because of their wins on the road and neutral site. And that's 7-1 and one, and the way that they're winning and how they're winning in bigger numbers. Florida Atlantic is a, bit, a little bit apologized to FAU fans. Probably should have talked about them when you asked me about that mid-major question. They're legit. They're really good. Um, but they won't, stay, they won't stay in the top 25 in the net ranking um, for very long, just from the nature of the way that that stuff works. And that's why you're seeing, you know, you had Sam Houston State was in the top ten of the net four days ago, and they dropped out, uh, you know, like 20 spots when they lost to Oklahoma State. And that's just going to happen for some of these mid-major teams. Most of the time, Mark, by, the, by March, you're going to look at the net ranking, and you're going to say, yeah, I agree with 99% of this stuff. We end on uh, this note, top three vegetables for Mike O'Donnell. Go. Well, oh, so I, this has changed. This has been uh, uh, more for me. Okay, so, uh, broccoli. It's not num- it's not a true number one, but uh, broccoli. I will go. I will go vegetable uh, on the broccoli. Uh, I've been eating more peppers lately. Ooh. I don't know if I like them, but I'm putting them in my top three because I know the nutritious value of the peppers. Sure. The vitamin C you get from the peppers, fantastic. 
I am a huge asparagus guy now. Wow. Heavy on steak lately. Steak and asparagus. You put a little garlic oh. salt on the asparagus. You put it in the pan. But the steak-asparagus combo is tremendous. It's fantastic. But, but leftover asparagus, when you put it in the toaster oven, it keep I'm it sorry. crispy. Don't dry it out. You keep it crispy. What? Big time stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Toaster oven. You can't go. I, I, I hardly ever do microwave for anything anymore. But leftover asparagus in the toaster oven. Game changer. I did not expect a recipe on top of the top three vegetables right there. That was bonus material. That? That's bonus. How about that? Yeah. Oh, you, yeah. you got a game this weekend? Uh, well, I'm calling the UCF Tarleton game okay. on Sunday. Right. Actually, uh, at noon. So Tarleton's a pretty good team out of the whack. Tough team. Should be another, another tough non conference game for UCF. Thank you, Mike. Have a good weekend. See you Sunday. You got it. Thanks, Mark. Mike O'Donnell, step back three segment. Time now for our World Cup update brought to you by our friends. Let's really do the news. Yes. Now it is time to do the news. But now it's time uh, for the news. 11 o'clock hour, WYGM Orlando, WJRR, HD2, Cocoa Beach, Orlando sports leader, Mark Davis, the Vita Sports. What's going on, my news heads? What's up, everyone? Yeah. Happy Friday. Right. It's a feel-good Friday. And, with it being 11 o'clock, that means it's time for another edition of the news. I'm Scott Harris. That's Mark Daniels. We are going to run through the top stories in the sports world. Yeah, what do you got? Yeah. Let's go. That's how it works. All right. Baker Mayfield was waived by the Carolina Panthers on Monday, claimed by the Los Angeles Rams on Tuesday. After a cross-country flight, he got one short practice with his new team on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, Mayfield led the Rams to two late fourth-quarter touchdowns in a stunning 17-16 victory over the Raiders capped by a 23-yard scoring pass to Van Jefferson with 10 seconds left. Statement win by the Rams. There's uh, the video of Sean McVay in the locker room. I don't know what that dude's on, but man. Just running back and forth and everything and just, you know, passion, drama, the heart and everything. I mean, you're 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 friends with him. Was he has, has he always been like I'm this? Friends with him? Your colleagues? You work together? I sat on a couple of plane rides with the Orlando Tuskers, unbeknownst that Sean McVay was even really on the staff, let alone go on to become a Super Bowl winning coach. But I sat yeah. on a plane, and he sat on the same plane. <laughs> That's pretty much how it went down. Yeah. How about this uh, very interesting story? I don't know if you saw this one, Mark. A long jumper and two officials from Albania could face bans after they were accused of submitting false information that helped the athlete get a spot at the Tokyo Olympics last year. The Athletics Integrity Unit Friday said it charged long jumper Izmer Samadjil Albanian Track Federation president in the Federation's general secretary with disciplinary offenses over a competition held in Albania in May of 2021, two months before the Olympics. They were all provisionally suspended until the case is resolved. Uh, Samalji was named the competition winner with a national record of 8.16 meters. All right. Hey, just send it. Just send it in. How much do you want to say? Say nine. No, that sounds a little too obvious. Wow. Eight something? Wow. <laughs> That's a good story. 
USC quarterback Caleb Williams headlined the college football awards on Thursday as he was named the Walter Camp Player of the Year and the winner of the Maxwell Award given to the best all-around player in college football. Williams, who was the first USC player since running up Marcus Allen in 1981 to win the Maxwell, accounted for 47 touchdowns while throwing 4,000 yards and leading USC to an 11-2 season after the Trojans last year went 4 and eight. Uh, again, my Heisman ballot is in. I'll tell you who I voted for next week. Ooh, how about that for a tease? Right. Well, Do- I, I. Oh well, I actually I have posted my ballot after I. I was just going to say I hate people, and I do. I don't like people to do that, but I've done it before. Here's my ballot. Yeah. Two of the three again on my ballot are not among the finalists. I mean, I'm not caving to the pressure. <laughs> the thing that I want to know is how many people have inundated Mike about logging in to vote. Well, cast it, their ballot. It, it wouldn't be Mike because well, he's the one that sent out the right. But even after, if you do register, mm-hmm. then they are texting you, or they did text you nonstop last week. Oh, really? You know, don't forget your ballots due. If you have any problems, click here and so forth. So, but now getting registered, I don't know how people did that. Well, with that being said, how about this college football story? The remaining football members of the Atlantic Sun in the WAC have agreed to align to form the foundation of a 10 member football only conference. Just got a text about me asking you something. To do it off air. Oh, okay. With the intention of becoming very, very nervous, yep. becoming the 11th FBS conference. Sources said the founding documents for the league state the group intends to move from what is currently known as FCS football to what is commonly or currently known as FBS football at the earliest practical date. These are members of the A Sun and Whack. Yeah. That could open the door for schools like New Mexico State and UConn that are operating as independents mm-hmm. to join. And there is nothing that blocks you from becoming the 11th FBS conference. There's a process to file to move up because you then have to promise X number of scholarships and things like that. I think their plan is either in 24, I believe, is to play their first season together. And you're like, oh, they can't just step in and get a playoff spot. You're not the playoffs are the uh, take the top six highest rated conference champions, whatever this league's going to be called, would have a long, long way to go. To. Yeah, Stephen F. Austin, Abilene Christian, Utah Tech, Southern Utah, and Tarleton, along with Austin P, Eastern Kentucky, Central Arkansas, and in North Alabama, plus UT Rio Grande Valley is also. Uh, announced that uh, a starting a program, and they're expected to join in in 2025. Probably two thirds of that list cannot afford it. Then why are they doing it? Everybody thinks that there's a pot of gold. You get in, you have a lucky season. Maybe you make the playoff. You get bowl games. You get uh, media coverage. But two thirds of those schools have no business doing it. I mean, next thing you know, you you hire Jim Moore Jr. and then you're UConn. Can't knock it. Dude got him to a bowl game. Can't knock it. I don't got him to a bowl game. I remember I was producing the UCF football game, the first two lane game, and I think I told you like down the down the talk back, like, hey, UConn's bowl eligible and you were like, what? When they played uh 
UCF when they made the coaching change, that was the first game he was at, not as a coach, but yeah. observing the team. Because I think he spent the last month hanging like, out in the box or something watching. So, yeah. Longtime Yankee legend David Robertson, representing himself, finalized a one-year, $10 million deal with the crosstown rival. Saved money New, without an agent. New York Mets. It's a tough loss for your, for, for your Yankees. David Robertson's been gone for years. I know. He's good for four games during the year. We'll come in and get you saved when the closer needs rest or he'll get five outs, everything. And then he's got about 20 games that he's going to just leave a fastball up and someone's going to hit a ball 490 feet. You think anyone signs Chapman? Ooh. Um, sure. Yeah, I don't I, I I don't know who, but mm-hmm. eventually somebody will. I mean, they're just handing out money all over the place here. I listen, I I I think the Mets this is the Yankee fan in me. Um I'll give the Mets credit and whether it's Steve Cohn or whoever he now lets run the front office. Like the the Scherzer or the Verlander deal they made the decision, I'm not giving Jacob DeGrom five years because of his injury problem, but I'll sign Scherzer, I mean, I'll sign a, a Verlander for two years, and, you know, it, it, it ain't five. Yeah. So that's a it, smart it's move. It's weirdly more f- smart financial sense. Well, you know, I always prefer to overpay in a shorter contract than overpay in a longer contract. This is true. Uh, sad news for the Knicks. They will be without uh, superstar Obi Toppin for the next two to three weeks because of an injury to his right leg. The Knicks at Toppin, who underwent an MRI on Thursday, suffered a non-displaced fracture to his right tibia head. The injury occurred in Wednesday's 113-89 victory over the Atlanta Would you agree Hawks. that any time the word displaced is used, it just... Ugh. This sounds painful. Well, it's also not good when the next word in the sentence is fracture. Yeah. Yeah, that that is not a good combination of words, Mark. Painful. That's an in-tough loss, right, for your your Knicks? I mean, how do you guys... He's been a... Productive player for you guys? Role player. Productive role player? He's not become the the potential star that both Mike O'Donnell and myself thought he was going to be. From that you were standpoint, so excited. I, listen, he was a player of the year guy, and, and he just, and he might be misused. I don't know. I mean, I shouldn't complain. The Knicks have won a couple of games, but we're still terrible. That's it on the news. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe. Just go there and leave us a five-star rating. This is, of course, a five-star segment. Shout-out to all the news heads that you saw last night at the holiday party. Uh, well, a couple of people did ask about you. Really? Good things or bad things? No, good things. You know, oh, okay. About the show and stuff like that, so... I recently discovered there's a there's a news head that that goes to spin. There's a news head that goes like the spin place that I go to. To your class or just the place that you go to? That the, the class, yeah. You're gonna go up and say hi. But I, that's the thing. Like I found out this person listens to the state this the show daily. Well, and we do have an audience, Scott. I know, no, but like it's like it's don't like don't often get credit for, it, but we do have an audience for. It. No, but I mean, like it's appointment listening f- for this person, and I like I found this out, and I'm like, this person has never t- like brought it up to me whatsoever. Maybe they're intimidated by your starness. 
Me? No. That's it. Shout out to all the news heads. Back to you, Mark. Uh, The pay is insane, and people think it doesn't mean anything. I'll explain next. Sunny and clear today. It's going to be high around 81. Enjoy it right now. Azario Speedwagon is going to roll with the changes on the hit station that's making you feel good. Ario Speedwagon, or Scott calls him. Rio. Sorry, I can't stop laughing at the thing I told you about during the break. <laughs> he, uh, Scott pops up in here and goes, hey. So-and-so says that he's done this before, and, you know, like two nine-year-olds laughing in, what is it, second grade, maybe, or whatever. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Yeah. You want to share what it is? No, I'm I'm good. Joey Chestnut has acknowledged that at some point during a competition, he went number two. <laughs> and Mr. Giggles over there is just like, yeah. You're not surprised by that, are you? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Don't you think after all the stuff that, you know. Right. I thought he had better control of his body. <sighs> Scott has heard me say this before. I think play-by-play people have larger egos than the athletes they cover. We do. So I I, I, I don't leave myself out of that category. I, mean, I, I have an ego. You have to have an ego to do this stuff. Um, Sports Business Journal did a survey. Oh, okay. Of... Um, Top play-by-play teams. Okay? Mm-hmm. Do you want to guess who was voted the top play-by-play team? And this is all sports. Top play-by-play team, according to Sports Business Journal's reader survey. Uh, I, I don't know. This is... Nansen Romo. Okay. They got 17% of the vote. Okay? You want to guess who was second? Uh, um, Buck and Buck and Aikman. They were third. Okay. Second was other. Oh, now I've never watched. Their wait, games. wait, 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 wait. Other, other has to be the choice if you don't pick the others. Okay, <laughs> which include Buck Aikman, Fowler, Herb Street, Tariko Collinsworth, Mike Breen, Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson, Al Michaels, and Kirk Herb Street, Nance. Grand Hill, Bill Rafferty, Joe Davis, John Smoltz, Carl Ravage, David Cohn, and Eduardo Perez, Kevin Burkhardt, Greg Olson, Gus Johnson, Joe Klatt, Sean McDonough, Ray Farrar, and Brad Nessler, and Gary Danielson. That means, Scott, other mm-hmm. was the choice for second behind Nance and Romo. In the last couple years, because the way sports media is covered, people have seen some of the salaries now that people are making tony romo making more than he ever made as a player jim nance was able to tell cbs i want this or else they gave it to him uh, buck and aikman were allowed traded let go to go and, and commanding significant dollars i mean guys making 15 20 million dollars to call games al michaels uh is making that to go to amazon kirk Herbstreit. you may not know this kirk Herbstreit. Between the two gigs combined, is reportedly making $17 million. Good for him. Yeah, yeah. Whenever somebody says, I never tune in because of who the announcers are, it's not that you're lying. 
It's not. And even though guys like Romo are really good at what they do, um, and you could get guys like Mike Breen, Jeff Van Gundy, and Mark Jackson can have some fun and, and, and not be so you know traditional. The presence of what's perceived to be big-time talent just makes you think it's a big game. Yeah. Oh, no, I don't need that. No, there's been enough research that, oh, yeah, they're, they're doing the game. And you're probably going, no, it's the record mark. Why would I, you know, watch a three and nine team and a four and eight team? Well, it, the model doesn't work all the time. But the presence of those people and the salaries that they're paying these guys, it's uh, it it's an accounting roundup in the big picture of multi billion dollar deals. So yes, you're going to say something. The thing is, like, I don't know if I like will seek out to tune into a broadcast duo but i will like tune out of one like there are some broad and this is this is less turn the game off yeah this is what if it's a a big game i I, and like i said this is more of a it depends on the sport and if it's the regional team yeah like i'm just gonna come out and say if the red sox are playing the rays and I turn it on, and it's the Rays broadcasters, I'm turning it off. There are just some broadcast teams I am not fans of, and I do not like the way that they call games. Okay. All right. Uh, And I'm not saying that there aren't people like that, but there's a reason why Disney, ESPN, ABC wanted Buck and Aikman. It just gives the presence of bigger. For example, and this is nothing to play-by-play voices here, do you think Dana White... Whatever he's paying. Do you think Dana White still needs to pay Bruce Buffer? No. Why does he do it? It's optics. Makes it look bigger. It's part of the show. Yeah. Like that dude comes out. I mean, for UFC fans, you know, that dude comes out, does his thing, just like Michael Buffer, his brother. Um, It's part of the show, man. Ah, but I don't watch this guy. Yeah. Trust me. You, you. You're programmed to start looking and go, oh, 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 yeah, I guess that's a bigger game. By the way, can I give you some other things in the Sports Business Journal survey, um, which I found interesting? Uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Um, by the way, the biggest business sports story of the year was Live Golf. Uh, yeah. Followed by NIL. Um, three hottest sports properties. Mm, ooh. Now, again, these are Sports Business Journal readers, so there's a built-in towards that. I mean, not necessarily wins and losses. Mm-hmm. One, uh, two of them are major sports. One is just incredibly popular right now. Pickleball. No, no. These are like pro leagues. Oh, uh, I got you. Uh, F1? F1 was second. NFL, 64%. Mm-hmm. Formula One, 38%. The NBA, 37%. NASCAR, 28 Premier League, 20 I think even NASCAR would be surprised uh, to see where they are on that yeah, list. Yeah. Uh, most effective pro commissioner. Most effective pro commissioner. Adam Silver. 32% Adam Silver. 17 Roger Goodell. 10 Rob Manford. 10 Steve Phelps. By the way, can I just break in this for a second? So, do you remember the story we did yesterday on baseballs? Yeah. Wednesday. Wednesday. I'm sorry. Wednesday. Remember that story? Yes. We had the reporter... Uh, from the insider who work with a physicist, 
researcher of analytics that looked at the baseball, said determined that Major League Baseball used not one, not two, but three different baseballs in 2022. Mm-hmm. And the baseballs, in a way, looked like they were designed to increase offense. And there were balls, the Goldilocks balls, <laughs> uh, that apparently were used more at Yankee games. And so, Scott, that story now, as I understand, mm-hmm. is quietly growing in the MLB world and trying to shut it down? Bury the story? Th- that that Rob Manford knows of the story and is like doing their part to kind of attack it and get the information out about, well, no, no, this is what we do. And, uh, and do you know this? There is no machine that makes a baseball used by Major League Baseball. They're all handmade. That's pretty cool. In today's technology, mm-hmm. how has nobody mastered the art of making the baseball by machine? Do they just just does they do they just not want to? The cost would drop significantly. That's why the cost of a baseball is so high. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, but I found it interesting as I was reading, and a couple people uh, that I follow were like, "Yeah, that story." I was like, "Wait a minute, we just did that story." <laughs> Most effective college commissioner, Kevin Warren of the Big Ten, 29%. Greg Sankey, 27%. Um, uh, well, I mean, I feel like you got to update that list now that Dion's in the Pac-12. By the way, George Klaivkoff did follow up to... He was given a chance by a member of the media that covers the Pac-12 to go, what did you mean by that? And he was, well, no one coach can change That's not what value. you said, George. What I meant was, if Dion gets the program going with a lot of wins, it helps in future negotiations. Oh, that is not what you said a couple of days ago. Yeah. Uh, don't forget Magic Basketball tonight as the Magic take on the Raptors. We've got uh, coverage for it beginning at 6.30, tip set for just after 7 o'clock. And as Scott reminded me earlier, Army-Navy coverage tomorrow. Yes. On this radio station at 2, the kickoff is set for 3 o'clock from Philadelphia in the final regular season game of the uh, FBS season and then one week from tonight we start bowls i know you talk about this and i know that that army navy is 71st minutes uh, second minute scoreless brazil and croatia yes this is always when this game is played army has it always been we moved it when we went to conference championships yeah do you think because you've talked about this before about you know shifting schedules and maybe bowl games will move to the beginning of the Mm -hmm. season yes do you think this is a game that stays where it is yes okay they don't care about your playoff. They don't care. And nothing stops either team of qualifying for it, as Navy was very much in the hunt for the American uh, several years ago. But I guess they should never say never, but I I do think they like Having where the, the game Saturday. is. And the game, by the way, for, for years, the longest-running uh, date for this game was the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, wow. The Saturday after Thanksgiving was not the week that it now has become. A ton of rivalries were played the week before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I mean, you finish your year then, and students going home, and Army-Navy was the Saturday Thanksgiving weekend. And then, okay, we'll push it back. Whenever, and then we had conference championships. Like, okay, and now it's been on the second Saturday uh, in December. And I, you know what might challenge it, although I don't, in in the expanded playoff model, right now the plan is a third Saturday in December to start. I guess if they ever wanted to go the second Saturday, 
maybe that challenges Army Navy. Um, but again, that's tomorrow from Philadelphia, Army and Navy. Back more to be the sports next. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Kenny Loggins. Why? Why not? Whenever I call you, I begin to think I understand anything you and I Ever and ever, I see myself within your eyes, and that's all I Got the great Melissa Manchester is singing with him here. Not Stevie Nicks. Oh no, she wrote it with him. I'm sorry, Stevie Nicks. Uh, my bad. My bad. Melissa Manchester wrote it with him. Stevie Nicks is singing. Wee. Uh, we play Kenny Loggins on Friday because we want to. We like it. What's wrong with that? What's not to like? What's not to like um, about that? Um. Somebody asked me yesterday when the story came out, uh, hey, I saw that uh, uh, Jack Miller is going to quarterback uh, the Gators in their bowl game. What do you think about that? And I said, well, okay, Anthony Richardson left. <laughs> uh, the other guy's in going to be in prison, mm-hmm. barring an incredible legal uh, battle. Um what the person was getting at is, is that is this what these games have become? And like you were mentioning earlier about bowl games. And I said, yeah, but it also is, Florida's not a playoff game. Now, we've got a team, uh, Ohio State is in the playoffs, and they've got a wide receiver that has been injured, that has chosen to forego the playoff to get healthy to be prepared for the off-season process leading to the draft. Doesn't mean Ohio State can't win, but for a team like Florida, when you have a quarterback on a 6-6 and team that is going to play in a bowl game, uh, it's a unique opportunity, but okay, Whatever. They need someone to play quarterback, but it's a good spot for Jack Miller. Doesn't mean he's locking down the job in 2023, but he gets a head start on it. No, you carry that momentum into 2023. Well, you've got to play well. But yeah, um, but the dude lit it up when he was in high school out in Arizona, which has a great reputation for quarterbacks. Uh, four-star recruit, was at Ohio State, and he gets a chance. Now, the good thing is he gets a, a month to prepare. Actually, it's not a month. Florida plays next week. Um, <laughs> he gets a few days. He gets a bake. He gets longer than a Baker Mayfield. Yeah, but um, basically, uh, uh, you know, a couple of weeks. And but the bigger picture that we we're talking about, not just with the Gators and Scott, even mentioned before about where we're going with bowl games. And I brought this up before. The next two years are going to be really, really interesting because with a twelve-team playoff at the moment, at the moment, you've got 
four first-round games played on campus, I do think there's going to be a push. When the next TV contract kicks in, remember we're getting the expanded playoff in the final two years of the existing TV contract. When the next TV contract, which probably will include multiple networks, I I think you're going to see the quarterfinal games at home campuses. I just think there's going to be a real big push for that, which then leads semifinals and a final. Now your 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 six bowls are going to be like what? I go every other year, and then what am I supposed to do in those? And I might be wrong on that. They may keep the bowls, but I just, as I've said before, I don't know how you say, hey, you're five, six, seven, eight seed, you get a home game, and you're one, two, three, four. You don't. That should be also part of the reward of being one of those top four seeds. But I do think you're going to see uh, some bowls really reevaluate their position. When more players in an NIL transfer portal world make it that some of these games, you're going to start seeing a lot of the roster have not played. And um, a school like, heck, everybody in the state playing in a bowl game, Florida, Florida State, and UCF, will probably use some players that didn't play in four games this year. And maybe some guys that didn't play in a game this year, because you're not burning your red shirt now. You know, if you played in three or less games, you can play in a bowl game, and you'll see that. Uh, and, and it's a great opportunity for those players. But I, I just think the way we're moving on a schedule, and the National Football League, by the way, also made it clear, we don't care about you in December, college football. I mean... Like next week, the Dolphins play the Bills on on uh, uh, a Saturday night. Okay, the NFL's made it clear in their scheduling that in December, starting in that third week, we're playing Saturday. If you want to play college football, have at it, and we're going to see the two compete against each other in in in, in two years. There will be the opening round of the college football playoff. Likely one game on Friday and three games on Saturday, and the NFL playing at least one and likely multiple games beginning that third Saturday uh, in December. Um, but I think you'll see some both people get very, very creative. I think you'll see some ideas about what we now know as kickoff games at the beginning of the season, but I think you'll see some partnerships of conferences that say, you know, let's play a game. The scheduling part of it is challenging because you've already got 12 games Schedule is is there the idea of adding another game at the beginning of the year? That I don't know because it's possible some teams are going to play seventeen games in the new playoff year. That would mean you played in the first round and got to the championship and played in a conference championship. That would be seventeen games. I'm not quite sure we're adding an eighteenth, but but. Remember a couple of years ago when Bill Hancock of the college football playoff was adamant about protecting the length of the season for the well-being of the student-athletes and we didn't want them traveling across the country and we didn't want them missing class time and we certainly didn't want to risk injury and that is why we just felt like four was enough and we didn't need to keep adding games. And remember less than a year ago when you had coaches like Pat Narduzzi at Pitt who's a good coach, was screaming, 
we're not expanding this. We don't need more games for our players. Or Dabo Sweeney telling you, I took a survey of my team, and we don't want any more games. And then we expanded the playoffs, and all that talk went away. And now if you ask Bill Hancock about the thought of playing 17 games, um, he just kind of dances around uh, the answer there. Um, we'll have bowl games, and uh, there'll be bowls. I, I, I'm just curious, the cycle, which to me, I, I say a couple of years, of transfer portal um, opt-outs for the draft and things like that, if people say, hey, we're reaching a point now where we got a lot of guys that are not playing, we're not fielding um, competitive teams here. I know, you know, some teams have dealt with that. And maybe because the high number of players in the portal now, but I, I, I'm not aware of a team that's missing like 30 guys. And it was a little overhyped about the mass exodus. And we're not done. The portal's open into uh, January. But, again, like people at UCF, everyone's leaving. And okay, there are four guys that had been playing. You can replace that. Heck, UCF was missing. You go back to the bowl game against BYU. They were missing, uh, what was the number, 11? They didn't play in that game? So, you know, Miami's had, what, 15? They're not playing in a bowl game. Alabama, I think it's, what, 15 or 16 have entered the transfer portal. Um so I, that's why I think when we go to 12, it's going to be interesting to watch what happens with some bowls and do people get creative and start looking at matchups and maybe buy games, meaning you got a game scheduled with somebody and uh, would you like to play it here? You know, our friends at Florida Citrus Sports try to put together matchups that they think are going to be with teams that are going to be ranked. A few years ago, you would have said, well, I don't know about the FSU side of the LSU game. And you know what? Look what happened. They got a great game in New Orleans at FSU won. You go down to the buzzer there. And take a look next year. LSU comes off an appearance in the SEC championship game, and FSU may be a 10-3 and team with a lot of expectations next year. That's a heck of a football game uh, next season. All right, do a couple of items and notes and quotes. I can't do it overtime today. I, I, I didn't think. I knew you got a busy afternoon. I got a power lunch. You do have a power I'm lunch. I'm going to fight traffic. Like, it could be double birds, you know? I mean, oh. oh! I may have to take the express. <gasps> oh! Better known as the Audubon in Orlando. A uh, couple of items of notes and quotes, though, next. Time for the latest news, gossip, trends, and off-the-wall stories. Trends. Ooh. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard! So on uh, Amazon's broadcast, Al Michaels is asked to read some promotions of content. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, last night he was uh, promoting uh, because they brought in two chains to do a weekly concert after the game, and he brings Let's on a different go. artist, right? And uh, ASAP Rocky mm-hmm. uh, was the latest. And last night, I guess Al, whether he's mocking this or what, Al, <laughs> when reading the promo, says, "You know him as a pair of chains." <laughs> oh my God, that is too funny. <laughs> oh. That's that moment Al Michaels is like, how much am I getting for this? What are they paying? Yeah, you know him as a pair of chains. How great is that? Uh, we are now into uh, added time. Yeah. Additional uh, extra time. Scoreless between uh, Brazil and Croatia. Scott and I had agreed that uh, this was just Croatia's effort to get to penalty kicks. Now they got to 
survive 30 minutes here. But you talk about, you talk pressure on Brazil right now? Huh? You talk pressure on Brazil right now? Come on. Huh? Um, let's see. Uh, what else? What do you have for the weekend, G? Uh, I, I, I honestly not much. Just kind of kind of a relaxing weekend. Uh, I'll be uh, talking to you on uh, Sunday, though. You produce the basketball game. the basketball Sunday. game Sunday and Wednesday. Noon start being. Uh, I know I'm thrown off by the noon start. Yeah, home on a Sunday, then on the road at Ole Miss on Wednesday. Back to Oxford. I've done football and basketball. Do you like Oxford? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a, a you know, it's a get in, get out. So mm-hmm. it's not like um. You know, a lot of times. Quick, to... text in now. No, 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 no. Please, please, don't. No, I mean, now with the basketball team, you just travel and uh, eat. I mean, we eat all the time. Uh, I do have a list of um, restaurants for the bowl game. In D.C.? Yeah. What do you mean you have a list? I've I've been soliciting uh, restaurant suggestions for you guys. So I've been writing all the texts down. We're, 50857. We're staying in D.C. We're not staying in Annapolis. Okay. But I don't know what my schedule is. I know where the team's going up. I, I, I don't believe I'm on the original or the initial uh, flight. So Text in now. No, no. D.C. No, no, restaurants. No. Plenty of great restaurants in D.C. I know. But I know where to go. So, uh, yeah. No need to do that. Reminder, Magic Basketball tonight. Uh, they'll take on the Toronto Raptors. Covered at 6.30. Tips set for 7 o'clock. The boys will look for a second win in a row. Uh, get some momentum. And tomorrow, Army and Navy uh, play that great football uh, game. Uh, 90th meeting in Philadelphia. Not at the same stadium. This is at Lincoln Financial. But uh, 90 different times they've played, or will have played at, when you had tomorrow. You've been to the Lincoln? Stadium. Oh, yeah. Didn't you say Chip Kelly, like, Walked out of a tunnel. He's down the tunnel, walked past O'Neal. Um, and then strategically stood in a place where he'd be caught on camera? Yeah. I mean, I it, it's a nice stadium. Uh, broadcast booth is nice. Um, and some good views of the city in that unique complex where the basketball arena and the baseball stadium are. Uh, we're out of here. Thanks for hanging out with us for the week. We appreciate your time. Uh, miss any of the program? You can always uh, find it at 96thegame.com. Download on demand. Go to where you find your favorite podcast and uh, just type in the beat of sports and everything will be right there uh, for you. All right. End the week by telling you do something kind for someone who doesn't expect it. They will appreciate it. You'll feel pretty good about yourself and it's easy to be kind. Scott produced. I'm Mark Daniels, the beat of sports.